calling all my footy fans from all around the globe. Straight out of NYC, this is The Line Breaker. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to The Line Breaker. My name is Pano. I'm Dimitri, a.k.a. Juicy. And today, we're bringing you a special, let's just say it's a web, a network of sorts. We're going to be talking to you today about multi-club ownerships and club networks in world football. This is something that I think has come more into prominence, more into the mainstream lately, of course, because Chelsea bought a team, so now everyone's going in uproar about multi-club models. But I got to say, the multi-club model was definitely something started by Red Bull and then kind of perfected. Or I guess I should say maybe City started it. I forget who did it first. It was either City or Red Bull, but they're definitely the pioneers of the multi-club model. Um, and basically what a multi-club model is, is a group of football teams owned by the same people. Um, in the Manchester City case, Abu Dhabi or their umbrella company, City Football Group, owned 13 teams in different countries. Um, the Red Bull Group, obviously the energy drink behemoth, they also own clubs and they're very well known for that. Um, and essentially the idea of these multi-club models is just having teams in different areas of the world in different countries, but usually they have you know different, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not aspirations, each, network maybe the the company the the main club has different intentions for it it's very clear that with the red bull group they use it as a clear pipeline from basically you know you start on the little team and then you end up on the big team they definitely use it for more youth development and you see a lot of success stories coming from the red bull teams i think tyler adams is a good example going from the new york red bulls in mls going straight to RB Leipzig in Germany. You have players like Dominic Schabaschlei, who he definitely was at Salzburg. I wonder if he was also at um, Liefering, which Liefering is a Austrian Bundesliga two-side that also is owned by... Yes, he was at Liefering. Good catch, Pano. So Red Bull is definitely more about youth development and bringing those players up. We haven't really seen much of that from Manchester City yet, where you see a player going from NYCFC to Man City or going from Montevideo City in Uruguay to Palermo or Girona in Spain. Um, so definitely different motivations is the word that I was looking for for multi-club models. But it's definitely come more into prominence lately because people basically debate for and against them and look i'm dying to know what dimitri thinks about them i know i have my own opinions about them but first we mentioned you the two pioneers of multi-club ownership but we also want to talk to you about a few others now i mentioned before manchester city they own 13 different clubs and i'm going to list them all out for you it's kind of insane they own manchester city obviously so city football group the main holding company in this owns manchester city new york city fc in the mls melbourne city fc in australia yokohama f marinos in japan montevideo city torque in uruguay girona in spain 
Mumbai city in India, Sichuan Jinu in China, Lamel in Belgium, which Belgium is a country that we're going to hear pop up a lot, Troyes, yes, it's pronounced Troyes, in France, Palermo in Italy, recently purchased Bahia in Brazil in the first division, and Club Boulevard from Bolivia. Yes, yeah, so that's 13 teams. City are definitely one of the pioneers, what other clubs look to model after. Following that, we have the Red Bull Group, owned by, of course, the energy drink conglomerate. They own a lot of different sports teams in general, but we're just looking at soccer right now. They own, obviously, RB Leipzig in Germany, the New York Red Bulls in MLS, Red Bull Bragantino in Brazil, and FC Red Bull Salzburg in Austria, in addition to FC Liefering in the second Austrian Bundesliga. Now, there's also lesser-known conglomerates, a little bit smaller, such as Leicester City, who own the Belgian team Leuven. We also have John Texter of Eagle Football Holdings, who owns Crystal Palace, Lyon in France, Botafogo in Brazil, and Molenbeek in Belgium, in addition to FC Florida in USA, which is a USL team. We also have Brighton, who have done very well with their multi-club ownership, and obviously they own Brighton in the Premier League, and they also own Union Saint-Gilois. I tried pronouncing that, and it just... Gilois. But it's definitely like Gilois or something. I don't know. I'm not good with the French stuff. Aston Villa's owners own Vitoria Guimarães in Portugal, and... In addition to Aston Villa, AC Milan, who's owned by Red Bull Capital, or Red Bud, Red Bird, not Red Bull, Red Bird. I can speak English. Um, Red Bird Capital, they own Milan, AC Milan, and the French side Toulouse. But we also have a uh, new, new person in the party, and that is Chelsea, whose holding company we now know is Bluco, recently bought Strasbourg in France, RC Strasbourg, Rossen Club de Strasbourg, in France, playing Ligue 1, and um, yeah, they recently purchased them for one Kai Havertz, so that's how you put that into perspective. All these clubs, they're all in here, multi-club ownership, Pano, Dimitri, what does this mean? Why are clubs doing that? Do you want to take it away, or you you, you want me to start? I mean, you kind of touched on it with uh, player development, other clubs kind of uh, using it as a scouting tool, I guess. And um, then, you know, sending them over to the parent club, you can say, the bigger club. We did touch on it in an earlier episode where we did see in the past Man City Group bought Lampard with NYCFC and then loaned him out to Man City, which obviously can cause some issues. Um, Actually, one ownership group that i guess wasn't mentioned in the art in the espn article and just for reference what he means by the espn article is that we're sourcing um the bulk of this information as in we just wanted all the teams laid out in front of us we're sourcing this from an espn article written by mark ogden who's a very known espn soccer writer of course um you see him on youtube all the time and it mentions most of the multi-club ownerships they don't mention the one that Dimitri is about to mention. And they also don't mention 777 Partners, who owns Genoa FC in Italy, Standard Liège in Belgium, 
And I'm going to touch on why all these clubs own Belgian teams. Red Star FC in France, who are in lower leagues. Uh, it was like the National League, which is probably like third or fourth division. Vasco da Gama, a very known, oh, very well-known club in Brazil. Melbourne Victory FC in um, in Australia. So they also own them. But Dimitri has another multi-club model, a little multi-club ownership that I know he's a huge fan of. Who is it again? Remind me again. Well, I don't really know the group name or the person at the top of the group. Oh, no, but it's it, the, it uh, has a name. It's the... Uh, it, it, it's public, three letters. It's the uh, public investment fund of uh, Saudi Arabia, which owns the four biggest clubs in Saudi Arabia at the top flight. Basically, where your favorite player is now playing is one of those four clubs. And um, Newcastle. So, again, the question that arises, as we've seen with Man City in the past, do, does the public investment fund buy these players with their Saudi teams and then maybe down the line or in the future loan them out to Newcastle or have Newcastle players come to Saudi when their careers are basically on the tail end. Uh, That's the main issue I see and the biggest problem in football today. What about you? Oh, well, if you're wondering what I'm going, I'm already going to my next thing. Um, There's a certain player who I think comes to mind when Dimitri brings up conflict of interest. Um, for Just for reference, I actually am a supporter of multi-club ownership. I know that sounds super biased, of course. Um, unfortunately, Barcelona cannot afford to buy another team. So that's what that's about. But if you're looking at a reason to kind of go against multi-club ownership, it's the fact that, well, um, New York City FC are owned by City Football Group, and so is a certain Girona FC. Now, Girona got a certain Tati Castellanos, who was, I believe, the MLS Golden Boot winner, the leading goal scorer, or the MVP, whatever they have in the MLS, but he certainly led NYCFC to the MLS Cup. And they were able to get Castellanos for, it says here, 12 million yeah, so from he left NYCFC for Girona for a fee of $12 million, but it was a loan. Kind of weird, right? Yeah, very weird. That's kind of weird. And then at the end of the loan... Oh, I'm sorry, that's market value. Oh, there was no fee. All right. So, no fee, but they were able to get Tati Castellanos on loan... Probably no real money being exchanged because, again, Girona and NYCFC are owned by the same people. Um, they got him back for a season, came back to NYCFC, and then NYCFC sold him to Lazio for more money. Now, Tati Castellanos obviously was a very important player for NYCFC, and he also happens to have a pretty good season for Girona. And... He scored 13 goals in 35 appearances in La Liga. And Girona finished in 10th place for a newly promoted team. Pretty decent, I would say, right? For a newly promoted team. So he certainly helped Girona finish in 10th place. He helped a team in the City Football Group basically for free. Brought him back to NYCFC. And they flipped him for a profit. So... Basically, these teams are kind of helping them, themselves out. So obviously, maybe that's a conflict of interest. 
obviously um, the owners of City Football Group would say, well, yeah, that's, that's the whole point. The multi-club model is about helping us out, helping each other out and making money. And that's fair, but I can see why people are against it for that reason, because maybe you could argue that it's unsporting, basically, because it's not fair, because you could just basically give really good players to teams that maybe normally wouldn't be able to afford them and get more money. Do you think it's a do you think it's a way that some clubs or these ownership groups can skirt financial fair play rules with their parent clubs and have players on their lower level teams I guess loaned out rather than purchasing them for a fee from you know an outsider club and then purchasing them with a smaller club and then loaning out to a bigger club that they might be more useful for and the bigger club might need the I mean the issue that outside of Man City where they have to abide by financial fair play, and so do the European clubs. But going back to the public investment fund, the, Sau- the Saudi clubs aren't um, regulated by financial fair play and have spent, as we've seen, a ton of money on transfers, even more money on wages, ridiculous amounts of money. Mbappe was offered $700 million, although obviously it's not happening. But still, we, we, see, we see what they're willing to offer and the problems that it does cause. Even with what I said, the uh, no limit to how much you can spend in a transfer window. Do you see any issues with that and clubs possibly skirting financial fair play rules? I think it's definitely a way to skirt financial fair play rules. Um, I know I read something where apparently like how they treat financial fair play with multi-club models is like it. All the money is pulled together or something like that. Suspects. Something weird. Suspects. I don't know. It's a little unclear. Um, or maybe there's like a separate one where they also look at everything together. So they do each team individually and then all together. I'm not 100% on it. But it's definitely something you can skirt around. We spoke about the Alan St. Maximin deal, obviously. And people were definitely in uproar about that deal because they didn't feel that St. Maximin probably would command that fee anywhere else from anyone else so i can definitely see conflict of interest there but you also and this is where i'm not just going to play devil's advocate just to do it um just because i genuinely believe it whether you call me biased or not is another thing i think i support multi-club ownership because one if you just let everyone do it then hey fair play which obviously right now it seems like uf is being a little bit more lax with it and i just to me i kind of see it as the future and we can see that it's the future because like there's a large percentage of clubs now that are part of multi-club models. Um, it's a way for the big six or the, I'm sorry, not the big six, but big clubs to basically be able to nurture their talent that they have. Because obviously at youth academy level, it's extremely difficult to break into first teams of Real Madrid, of Barcelona, of Bayern Munich, of Manchester City, Manchester United. It's extremely difficult to do those things. I'm pretty sure I basically named most teams that don't have multi-club models. But hey, this is a good little uh, little way to convince you all to get some clubs. Um, when you're when you have some of the best academies in the world, you cannot guarantee playing time to most of these players. But if you have a club in your network that you know, if you send one of your youth players to. You have vested interest in that club, literally a financial interest in the club, whereby you can control game time, probably. You can make sure that they're getting the proper game time. When you want to loan players out to a club, traditional loans with teams that maybe you know you don't have any relationship with, 
you're basically at the mercy of the club. You're at the mercy of the other club hoping that they're going to buy, that they're going to play your players. If you own the club, you don't have to worry about that. True, but when when the other when big clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid that aren't a part of the <clears throat> multi multi uh, multi club model, multi club model, you know, typically, you know, you can't you can't loan out to a team as the multi club model teams can, where you can guarantee playing time, but they usually loan out to lower level teams or lower level leagues, such as maybe Portugal, Netherlands, compared to Spain, where they probably would get into the first team. But um, you can't guarantee the time, which I can kind of see the argument for. But I, I could I could see these players getting playing time in a lower league, lower uh, division. I see it as as being good for the player and good for the club. Is it necessarily good for opposing clubs that don't have the same access to that? Like probably not. So that's basically where the conflict lies. But I think like if you're a youth player, like. Yeah, you want to go to a club that has other clubs. I mean, again, Manchester City, they don't really... It seems like they're not as interested right now with nurturing talent like through their um, through their academies and sending them to their multi-club network teams to get playing time and then have them in the first team. It seems like they more so use it to spread their network um, just far around the world, obviously, which they have, as we could tell all 13 of them. It seems like they're definitely doing it more for making money, which they've done a good job of. Douglas Luiz of Aston Villa is a good example. Um, he was in Manchester. He was in the Manchester City youth system. He They got him at an older age, but still. And he was on loan at Girona. was one of the clubs. It might have been another one too, but definitely at Girona. And they were able to flip him for money. Same thing with players like Aaron Moy, who they got from Melbourne FC or Melbourne City which is one of the clubs that they own in Australia. They brought him to City, of course, and they were able to make some money off him. But there's there's a bunch of players that, that basically add to that list of making money. Red Bull, obviously there's a clear pathway. You Red Bull, they nurture players. They, they create talented players. So for me, I think it's the future because all the big clubs, they're just getting richer. They're just getting more powerful. And you got to put your talent somewhere. Let's look at, for instance, Karu Matoma. I believe he went on loan to Belgium. I don't know if it was exactly the Belgian team that they owned. I, I want to say it was. I'm like very sure it was. I'm going to be so upset if it wasn't. It was. So Matoma from Brighton obviously was a superstar last season. The season before, Brighton bought him, and they loaned him immediately. They bought him from Japan. They loaned him immediately to Belgium, and he got good playing time there. He got European experience coming from an Asian team, and obviously he was able to fit seamlessly after a year in Europe, acclimatizing to Europe, and being able to play well. So you can see why being part of multi-club ownership worked for Matoma. There's... Other players who are good examples of that, we mentioned with Red Bull. You got players like Tyler Adams, Shabashlai. Um, there's a few others. Brendan Aronson, I think, or maybe yes. I want to say, unless he went straight to Leipzig, he might have went straight to Leipzig, and I'm gonna look dumb. Did Brendan Aronson? Aronson? No, I think he was at. I think he was at. Let's see. 
He was at Salzburg. Yes. Oh, he went straight from Salzburg to Leeds. Disregard that. This whole part's going to get cut now at this point, right? Um, so that's a bad example. But Red Bull does a really good job. And gosh. at the end of the day, <clears throat> multi-club uh, systems, they cause more trouble than they uh, fix. Dimitri is obviously a big opponent of the multi-club model. Um, I mentioned before about Belgium being a hotbed for ownership. Belgium has very lax work permit laws when it comes to bringing players from other other countries, especially Africa. So it's a good place to put talent that otherwise might not receive a work permit in the EU because the EU and Great Britain has very strict work permit laws. And what that is is basically allowing you to actually work in that country. And obviously soccer players, as fun as it is, as great as their lives are, it's still technically labor. So you have to abide by certain work permit laws. They get special permission but you have to be able to qualify for a work permit and for players coming from non-European countries, that can be very difficult. So um, countries like Belgium are very lax with that kind of stuff. So is Portugal. So those are two places that are very good for multi-club ownership because they are lax with their work permit laws. And that goes back to what I'm saying. These clubs, these networks give players who maybe otherwise wouldn't have a chance to be playing at a high level in Europe, you know, come from a village in Africa or the favelas in Brazil or, you know, a poor neighborhood in Colombia or Ecuador and are given a chance basically and being part of multi-club network teams, that gives you a clear pathway to go from rags to riches. So that's why I like the multi-club model. Good, good for players, but it's a way that ownership cheats the system. Just laundering players from one team to another, negotiating with themselves, basically. It's a hot mess. Obviously, Dimitri's not a fan. But listen, what we want to know is, what do you guys think of the multi-club model? Listen, obviously, I am a fan. I like it, but not everybody does. Obviously, Dimitri is not a fan. So... What we want to know is, what do you think of multi-club models? Do you think that your club should start buying clubs, other clubs, create their own multi-club network? You let us know. You let us know in the comments down below. All right. And again, if you're an opponent of the multi-club model, tell us why. We want to hear your reasons. We want to hear the discourse. So you let us know. All right. I know Dimitri definitely wants you to let him know because he, he wants to, to definitely fight on me with this. Definitely, we're at polar opposites here. So, hey, let us know. Let us know in the comments down below. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pano from The Line Breaker. I'm here with Dimitri, and we just want to announce that we're on all the socials, okay? We're on threads. We're on Instagram. Obviously, we're on YouTube because that's where we're talking to you right now. And we're also on Twitter and TikTok. So, make sure to follow us on TikTok. Listen, we're going to be posting videos every single day even when i'm away i'm going to greece i'm gonna be posting videos when i'm in greece all right and it's gonna be me posting them because Dimitri's useless so look out for those and uh yeah make sure to follow us at the line breaker that's our handle that's our handle for basically everything but please follow us on all the socials i'm out of here before we before we move on can we talk about holland choking in finals 
four, what is it, four finals in a row now? Last year's Community Shield, FA Cup final, Champions League final, and then this year's Community Shield? The guy doesn't do anything. He doesn't score, doesn't assist. He's missing in these big games, just missing. All he does is score these tap-ins in the Premier League, racks up 36 goals on accident. I think I could score goals when De Bruyne is just kicking it into my path. I don't even have to stick a foot out. It's just on my path. And you're telling me this guy's something special? Like all these big players that we know, like over the last 10, 15 years, and recently show up in big games. Ronaldo showed up in finals. Messi's shown up in finals. Even Mbappe's shown up in two World Cup finals. This guy, this guy Holland's a bum. What do you equate to showing up in big games? Because what, just it has to be a goal? It has to be goal a goal. It has to assist. be an assist. A goal and an assist. That's or an the, assist. That's the a goal or an assist. Yeah. I, I, I'm so curious to see like what his stats were for that Champions League final. Maybe I'll go on foot mob right now. Well, I'll tell you in the semifinal, he didn't score. Man. Okay, but does he have to score? Yeah, I would, I would say so to be, to be considered one of those guys. I think Mbappe scoring two World Cup finals. All right. I, I have foot mob right here. I could... What was his reading? Oh. Oh, wow, look, a seven. Let's see. One shot. One shot. It was on target, I remember it. Expected goals, pretty good XG, so one high-quality chance. Um, shot accuracy was good. Two successful dribbles, pass into the final third, offside ones. He had a lot of clearances, head clearances. So listen, he won a lot of his ground duels. I know that's not what you want from your striker necessarily, but it seems like he was putting work in. In that game. Listen, it was an easy game. It's a final. Just because he didn't all, score doesn't I mean, mean he listen, didn't play all, well. All these big players show up in finals, though. As I mentioned, Ronaldo, Messi, Mbappe. How many, how, what was his XG in the last Community Shield against Arsenal? I, I could look that up, too. I'll help you with zero. Was, oh, it was, right? <laughs> it was. Oh, it was. Didn't he miss a sitter against Liverpool in the Community Shield last year? He did, right? Put it over the crossbar? Within the six. Why are you coming at Holland for? I'm just, I'm just south. Did he steal your girl? <laughs> no. I think you might have stolen Dimitri's girl or something. This guy has a problem with Holland. I'm just uh, laying out the facts. Are you anti-Norwegian? No, I'm just laying out or the facts. Or anti-Norway? No, Odegaard the GOAT. Arsenal winning the Prem. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so Dimitri hates Holland. You got your soundbite. I know. Oh, I definitely did. Oh, uh, let's see. What else can we talk about from this week? Does Vlahovic get swapped? I don't know if you've been um, keeping track of this news, but there's been massive rumors linking Dusan Vlahovic with Chelsea and involving him in sort of swap deal. You think? Do you think that that actually happens? Like, what? what what's the gauge that you're getting? With um, Nkunku going down and um, Lukaku, I guess, uh, wanting to play in Italy, I think it's something that uh, wasn't considered heavily a week ago, but it is now being considered. What do you think? Honestly, I, I don't like that there's a fee involved and I don't like the fee that's being quoted. I, I hate the fee that's being quoted. I don't like that there's a fee being involved at all but i guess because he's 23 he might have just turned 23 
I guess, yes, he's seven years younger than Lukaku, so he probably has more value than him. But he also really did not have a good season. I know a lot of people are in support of it because they're like, oh, well, Allegri, he plays anti-football or he has negative tactics. So this and that, that's why he's not playing. But it seems like Vlahovic was only good for like six months, really, for Fiorentina. And he scored like 17 goals in half a year. Fiorentina is where Juve bought him from. And then that's when Juve got him. And he scored 17 goals since. In the 18 months since. He scored 17 goals prior to that. So basically six months at Fiorentina, 17 goals. It's been 18 months now since he moved to Juve. And he scored 17 goals. And a lot of them are penalties. I don't like the move, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't know if he fits. Yeah, he's a big body, you know, nice Serbian man, strong, whatever. But like, I don't know how much he fits the team. And it seems like a lot of money... You're basically valuing him. If you value Lukaku at 40 million euros, which is what the bid was going to be with add-ons for Lukaku from Inter before he just disappeared and stopped answering his phone calls, blocking everyone, whatever he did. The weirdest thing. Oh, I could go down a rabbit hole on Lukaku. Um, you basically value him at 40 million. Inter wants Lukaku plus 40 million. So that means that they value Vlahovic at 80 million euros, which is what they bought him for. I think that that's way too much money to pay for a guy with his goal-scoring record. He matched Chelsea's goals last year in the Prem, no? How many goals did Chelsea score? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really say much. No, well, he didn't match them. In the, well, they scored like 30-something goals. Oh, all 31. Right. All right. He doesn't score a lot of goals, though. He, he scored a lot of goals once for half a year. I feel like... And he's the same nationality like as the play, Mitrovic. The, 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 player, the players around him at Chelsea will do him better than... His um, personnel at Juventus. I would agree with that if Nkunku wasn't out for four months. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd do well with Lukaku. Uh, not Lukaku. Jesus. Um, he'd do well with Nkunku behind him as a number 10. But who's going to play that now? It would be like Carney Chukumeka probably. And obviously he's more of a sub. I don't know. I don't feel good about it. On that note. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe for sure and hit the bell the notification bell so that you always get notified when we are posting videos we're going to be posting way more often the more the days go by the more often we're going to post so keep an eye out so we got a lot of stuff coming at you very excited for it am i going to say and on that note one last time or, or i'm dimitri aka juicy and i'm pano are you going to say it and this has been it. <laughs> and we're out of here. <laughs>